Hi, I'm Dave Garrett. I'm here with Sashi Warman and, and Jesse Smith for a new episode of the, the Deven Roadmap series. We're going a little bit off topic or off our, our normal topic of talking only about ourselves and only about Deven to talk about, I think, one of the most interesting projects that I've seen in in a year, really, in a long time. And, and I'd like to introduce Jesse and Sashi to talk more about it here. This We're talking about restoring, restoring the ecosystem through agriculture. And there's a, there's a fun wine component, but there's also a lot of regenerative uh, agriculture. So if you're a, if you're a pure like degen uh, uh, nerd, then this might be a good chance for you to learn a little bit about, you know, nerds in the, the touch grass. So it's a, this is going to be a, a really fun conversation. I'm looking forward to it. So let me start. I'm Dave Garrett. I'm the, the co-founder of Club Deven. You know, welcome back to the Roadmap Series. Our topic is getting back to the land and restoring the ecosystem through agriculture with Sashi Mormon and, and Jesse Smith. You know, my background, I've been in the, in the wine business for 20 years and started Club Deven about a year and a half ago. The, we're, we're, we've, we've been talking to the folks at, at the White Buffalo Land Trust for more than a year about this project, and I'm really excited to see it come to fruition. And I'm going to now introduce Jesse Smith, who's the Director of Land Stewardship at the White Buffalo Land Trust, and I'll let you introduce yourself, and then we'll, we'll talk to Sashi. Thank you. Thanks so much, David and, and Sashi, for being here and for all those uh, listening in. As David mentioned, as the director of land stewardship, White Buffalo Land Trust, my role really is kind of at the uh, intersection of our land-based work and and how it interplays with our other fields of focus. We're a, a Central California coastal-based nonprofit uh, working in the field of regenerative agriculture. Um, our theory of change really revolves around doing work on the land, uh, research, data collection, uh, learning more about the ecological function of the landscape and how it responds to our agricultural practices. Um, and then sharing what we learned with a broader community, education, training, uh, communication, uh, and bringing products uh, to the marketplace that really represent that regeneration on the land and, and within the community. Um, but my background kind of stems from one of design and, and the creative arts, visual communication design and product design were really where my heart was and, and, and still is within the ag sector. But that's where I went to school for. And, you know, I've been farming, ranching for just over a decade now and that that interplay of the kind of creative arts and, and communication i feel is so critical in kind of the shifting paradigm of what is uh humanity's role in agricultural ecosystems and and what the potential is and, and how do we communicate that with beauty and clarity um, and creativity so this project is is really kind of at the heart of a lot of my passions and and where we feel like there's an opportunity to bring a unique value back to the land steward it. So very grateful to, to be here in this conversation, to, to have our, our partner, Sashi, over, over Sandy Wines in the conversation. So I'll pass it over to him to give a little background and context before we continue on. Go ahead, Sashi. Sashi, by the way, just to, as a brief introduction, the, is a winemaker for, for Sandy Wines, as well as a bunch of other projects. I will tell you that personally, He's the the winemaker that most people ask that that I get asked about the most as part of this project. People asking me how they can get on the list. People asking me when we're gonna do a project with Sashi. I, I literally was was in our Discord, I, I guess 
the the end of last week with people asking when we were going to do a project with Sashi. So I, I'm I and I said, you know, hold on to your hat. We got something coming next week. So we're really, really excited to have Sashi on board and super excited to be working with with you guys this project. Sashi, can you introduce yourself a little bit? Yeah. So let's see. I work on a number of wineries in California and the winery in Oregon. <clears throat> I'm the managing partner at Evening Land, Demelo Coat and Sandy. I also own and operate called Pietro Sassi with my wife and business partner and friend, Peter Paston. And I have a couple of consulting jobs here in the Santa Rita Hills. My main focus for the last 10 years has been and a little bit of Syrah. Probably kind of the most work that has been done professionally has been the collaboration with my business partner, Rajat Parr, which is the connection to White Buffalo Land Trust and our domain in Rita Hills, Domain de Lacote, which was planted in 2007 and very towards Oregon was a winery that was not started by myself. We had the opportunity to steward it in 2014. And we're doing some very exciting things there, vineyard and the property last year, planting new vineyards and, and bringing some kind of interesting agricultural twists to vineyard um, is really exciting. So always been a big fan of vineyard development. It's something that I really had an opportunity to do a kind of a deep dive in at Stolman Vineyards when I was a winemaker there in 2000. And, you know, I think that that's, kind of the unique opportunity of a new world winemaker. Very, very different winemaker in the European continent. Here, we are often in the process of developing lots and lots of acres of new vineyards. And that brings all kinds of new opportunities, new experiments, new thoughts towards what vineyard management, development, land stewardship means. Great. Hey, thank you very much for that. That was uh, super, super helpful. So, Jesse, I think probably the first thing that we should do is talk about the White Buffalo Land Trust, talk about the actual, what you're doing there, maybe talk a little bit about the NFT project, although we'll get into that in a lot more detail later. And and maybe you could talk a little bit about the wine or, or the, the vines that are there. And then maybe Sasha could talk a little bit about the wine that's being made. Yeah, that's fantastic. So, as I mentioned, you know, our organization is a, a, a land-based organization, and we really kind of grow a lot of our work out of a thousand-acre ranch here in northern uh, Santa Barbara County. So we're about six miles as the crow flies from Point Conception. It's that elbow of, of California. It's that transition point from northern California to southern California. And we have one of the, the more westernmost uh, uh, vineyards uh, in, this, in this region, just outside of the Santa Rita AVA. But the, the small five-acre uh, vineyard that is kind of the, the crux of this, this partnership and this relationship is nested within uh, a thousand-acre landscape that really has a kind of representational value of so much of the surrounding region. It's very similar to much of the landscape of Santa Barbara, California, and Mediterranean regions around the world, which is to say that it's made up of this patchwork of different ecological sites. We have kind of these sprawling annual grasslands and pastures that are interwoven with oak woodlands and oak savannas, coast live oak and tan bark oak, 
We have these meandering streams with the riparian zones of, of willows and, and elderberries. And we have this coastal sage scrub and chaparral, all kind of supported by some of the managed agroforestry of orchards and vineyards. And those sites are really what make up the patchwork and the tapestry of some of the most uh, productive agriculturally, as well as some of the most kind of substantial environmentally kind of biodiversity regions of the world, which is Mediterranean regions of the world. For such a small portion of the global landmass, they represent so much of the agricultural production and biodiversity on this planet. And so when, when you know, Sashi and, and Raj and I first met, you know, the, the wine itself, the grapes, the vineyard, you know, was where the relationship was going to kind of revolve around. But it was really about the larger landscape. And, and the landscape that we're, that we're stewarding is, is a closed watershed and really understanding the different dynamics and flows of water and nutrient cycling and biodiversity within it as the impact, uh, as an outcome of our, of our agricultural practices. And so, you know, each of those different ecological sites that we, we speak to have their own kind of principles of regeneration, their, their own kind of ecological function that we're trying to, to increase and, and see a higher potential. Some of it's around, you know, native perennial grasses. The other one is around, you know, maybe oak regeneration and recruitment, new oak species. Others is about, you know, fire mitigation or, or carbon sequestration. Uh, and the vineyard has a little bit of a, a lot of that. And, and so we're trying to use our approach and our principles of regenerative ag within a vineyard context to talk about soil health and, and soil quality and texture, um, well, water infiltration. We're talking about vine health and canopy health and how do we benefit soil, or I'm sorry, microbial communities, fungal communities within uh, the plant ecosystem. And then we're using kind of the basket, the the kind of surrounding uh, fence lines and hedgerows as a place for habitat and for pollinators, for to increase the pollen availability for birds and snakes of, uh, you know, of all types. And so we're trying to create an ecosystem around our agricultural production system. And so that's, that's exciting for us because, you know, it, it, it shapes a conversation for people around a bottle of wine that otherwise, you know, seems a little bit foreign and, and, and different. Hey, Jesse, can you give us the, the elevator pitch on the, on the NFT project? Just yeah. like, like 30 seconds on that. And then maybe, Sasha, you can tell us a little bit about the, the vineyards and the wine and how that's special. Yeah. And so, you know, the NFT project in a nutshell is to bring uh, the, the information that we're collecting from this, the, this thousand acres into an NFT token that represents one acre each of the thousand acre ranch. Each of the, the tokens are represented by a little one acre floating island, a landmass, if you will. And that was created by the ecological data that we source from satellites. So the different ecological sites, the soil moisture, the soil type, the different elevation data, soil organic matter, biomass production, all these different ecological indicators were the input variables that we worked with the team to create a design program, essentially, that spit out these beautiful, unique thousand tokens. And by holding them, it's a way of not only supporting the nonprofit and our work, but it's also a community that has a shared interest in the bounty of this landscape, whether, you know, the core of it, well, like I said, is the wine, but then there's a host of different products and, and, and processes that you get insight and access to. So that's really kind of the, the, the crux of the, the, the project as a whole. So it's kind of like, not really, and, and maybe, maybe you're going to hate this, but it's kind of like adopting an acre of the, of, of the trust and, and then 
you know, in return, you get you get some of the spoils, including some of what uh, what I hear is going to be some fantastic wine. Sashi, can you tell us a little bit about how amazing this vineyard is and how wonderful the wine is that you're going to make from it? Yeah, we've had now, <clears throat> excuse me, we've had two vintages so far, and both vintages have produced really, really beautiful wines. They're they're quite different because the very different in the vintages, and that's obviously something that is really special and unique to wine is that it's not this product it's a it's a it's a gastronomic you know product that really reflects the place and the, the year so it's a great way to connect with the white buffalo land trust and the Hama canyon ranch and it can be experienced not just tea but also through a, a sensory experience that the wine provide. So what, what varietals are planted? What, what have you, what, what was the production like in the last two, the last two vintages? So it ranges anywhere from, you know, I mean, I think the average we can say is around 500, maybe a little bit less. It's mostly Pinot Noir. There's a tiny bit of Chardonnay planted. It's as with any vineyard project, as Jesse is learning, you know, it's like a cathedral. You never finish building it. Sure. You're always replanting, you're always adapting, you're always making changes. And it's vineyards are an amazing instrument to really connect with a piece of land because you're you're always reacting to it and you're always trying to find a way for the vines to be at their you know most kind of equilibrium to produce the the best grapes possible to make the best wine possible. Can you talk a little bit about the history of that vineyard? When, when was it planted and, yeah. and why in that particular, like, is it, is it in the best vineyard land in that, in that thousand acre project? So Jesse will probably be planting date. I do have experience with the vineyard before the White Buffalo Land Trust, its previous owners, the, the vineyard. And it's a very unique microclimate and terroir. It is quite different from the San Rita Hills. And I would say it's quite different from the rest of the San Valley. It's, if there were vineyards planted in the area, it would certainly qualify to be its own, its own appellation. Wow. That's yeah. If, cool. I can, if I can yeah, add, you know, so the, the vineyard was planted in, in 2008 and, you know, it is only five acres, but one of the kind of reasons why that is is you know the the vineyard is placed at a point at the bottom of this kind of closed watershed landscape that it receives all of its irrigation by gravity fed spring water so you know this this vineyard design the size of this vineyard was based off of the the hydrological availability of natural forming artesian springs at the headwaters of this landscape so to sashi's point around kind of harvest quantities and, and, and production numbers. You know, the first year we were able to harvest over 20 tons. The next year, I believe we were, you know, about 30% of that. And that wow. was due in part, uh, you know, the fact that we had during the week of harvest, you know, 105 to 108 degree weather per, sustained for over a week. So we lost so much moisture uh, going in that. And many of the other vineyards in their area are able to just pump more water, you know, just, 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 just keep, keep pumping water, keep irrigating. And for us, that's just not a, that's not a, an available opportunity. And so we are very much at the behest of the, of the climate. And so this, 
this this vineyard is very much in to what uh, the winds and the water and the temperature you know really has to to offer in a very kind of rugged part of the the landscape. So yeah, I'm really excited to see this year's vintage. So you know, some of I, I think that that a lot of people when they think of regenerative farming, I know when I think of regenerative agriculture, what I what I think about is climate change, and you know, a big part of why you know people that are that maybe aren't in it every day think that um, regenerative farming is is a is is a potential answer to climate change can you talk a little bit about that in general and then maybe about it specifically with regards to the white buffalo land trust and and maybe even more specifically with regards to this vineyard yeah for sure so you know one of the things we constantly try to reframe is that in in the kind of the face of climate change what we're looking at is very significant kind of climatic variability. You know, one thing that was really interesting to me is that Santa Barbara County is in, uh, expected to get uh, more rainfall, more precipitation in coming decades. Uh, but it's planned on coming in much shorter periods of time in larger bursts. And so kind of being in a state of drought doesn't mean we actually get less water sometimes. It means that, you know, when the water comes, it has a highly erosive behavior to it so that when we don't get it, the landscape dries out. So in our management of the vineyards, so much of what we're looking at is kind of effective rainfall. How do we actually hold so much more of that water that we do get falling from the sky? That comes down to soil health. So moving from, you know, tillage within the system to a no-till system, adding a lot more uh, soil structure through cover crops and compost, understanding that with um, changing climatic variability comes new potential for pests or blights and fungal pathogens. So looking for that biological diversity, creating a forest ecosystem to help mitigate any of those kind of intrusive, intrusive uh, behaviors of the of the world around us means that we put out multi-species cover crops to, to create habitat for beneficials and all that kind of stuff. And a lot of our, our, our foliar applications are beneficial microbial inoculants. So trying to uh, stimulate the beneficial bacteria on the leaves of the plant so that even if there is an existence of, you know, a mildew spore or, you know, a mite or something like that, that we have the intact kind of self-defense mechanism of the plant built in. So that's what a lot of our, our foliar applications are, are focused on. And, and is the idea behind the White Buffalo Land Trust not just to, you know, preserve that particular piece of property, but also to, to investigate new methods that could be used in other places around the world? I mean, are you, are you breaking new ground? Are you, is it a, is it a, as much a research facility as it is a, a sustainable farming facility? Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's both a kind of demonstration site, demonstrating our ongoing learning as Sasha mentioned, like every year is different and, you know, managing a vineyard in, in this context is, is not easy, um, but we can learn and share with others who are going through similar transitions. So, um, one of the projects we're working on right now is with a client of ours that we've been consulting with for the last year as they took over, similarly to us, a vineyard that was very conventionally managed and are now trying to move it to one that's more focused on ecological, biological, regenerative farming practices. And so we're helping them with just the kind of underlying principles of soil health, watershed dynamics and biodiversity as they continue to manage and evolve their vineyard system still maintaining harvests and kind of the fiscal responsibility of, of that operation. So to your point, it's not necessarily us that is breaking new ground, but through our work and through our relationships and our consulting, we're also trying to help others who are trying to make similar kind of transitions. Sasha, are you finding unique challenges in this particular vineyard 
A, because of the limitations and B, you know, I, I, I know that it's relatively close to other, other projects that you work in geographically, but is it similar in terms of the, the microclimate? The microclimate is quite, quite different, but the issues are, are the same. And the issues extend far beyond Santa Barbara County. For instance, we're responsible for managing 220 acres up in the Willamette Valley where evening land is located. And Domaine Lacote sits on a, on a 800 acre parcel. And I think something that is also unique to the American kind of uh, Pinot Noir industry or Chardonnay and Pinot Noir industry is that, you know, obviously we use Bergen a point of reference as an inspiration point, but the way we farm here in the U.S. is so different than Vignerons farm in Burgundy in the sense that we are responsible for much larger acres. Sure. You know, a typical domain in Burgundy would be maybe eight or nine hectares. It, you know, it's enormous. That's enormous. Yeah, enormous. That would, you know, that's not, you know, you're, you're, you're participating in a large community in terms of an ecological, you know, res- feeling of responsibility and, and consciousness. Whereas in the U.S., many of us are farming Pinot Noir and Chardonnay on much larger parcels of land where um, our responsibilities to the land go far beyond just the vineyard. So we're interacting with the, you know, call it the, the negative space. Sure. Um, not lines. And I think that something that we hear a lot from Burgundy is because of their situation, there's such a strong preoccupation with the actual vine because that's their context. Whereas our context is much larger. We're really sure. watersheds and all of the native plants and species that are planted around our vineyards, how they interact with the vineyards, how they influence the wine, and what that all means for sustainability as the climate changes. So one of the things that, you know, I, I, I grew up on a farm and I, 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 that's probably the extent, the greatest extent that I know about farming, farming outside of, outside of vineyards. But one thing that's kind of interesting that, that I've thought about recently with regards to climate change and especially, especially, you know, sustainable and regenerative farming is that, you know, wine is a little bit unique among agricultural products in that you actually get more value for variations for, you know, creating something where you're, you're actually, you're creating something special and new and unique. Whereas in most farming, the idea really is to create as much uniformity as possible, right? Because that creates more efficiencies in in farming. It creates more efficiencies in harvest. It creates more efficiencies in sales. You're trying to create a, I mean, li- literally, you're creating a commodity product in most of farming, right? Whereas in wine, you're doing the exact opposite, or at least for 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 the kind of wine that we're talking about, for for you know for let's call it luxury wines or special wines you're creating a you're trying to create a unique product can you talk a little bit about how that value creation kind of interacts with the idea of regenerative farming or interacts with the idea of of sustainable farming as opposed to other kinds of other kinds of agriculture and and well I'll stop there sorry sometimes my questions are run on I, I, I hear that a lot from the producers so 
Do you want me to take a stab at that first? Yeah, why don't you go ahead and start us off, and I'm happy to jump in and clean up. Okay. <laughs> well, I, I think you said a lot of really important things there, David. The first one being that you know the wine industry is vast, and quite honestly, most of it is. So sure. most of the wine industry is about uniformity. It's about removing variations so that people feel like they're buying a consistent product that they can count on. So we're talking about a very small slice of the market. And, and I think you use the right word. It is the luxury market because in the luxury market, what is valued is distinction and what is valued is idiosyncrasies, you know, and yeah. so the, the, the fascinating thing about wine and it's, it's, and regenerative farming in the luxury space is I think it's all about you are communicating and interacting with most often a very aware, educated, and conscientious. And as the, you know, as, as sales and marketing changes, and we're seeing it right in front of us, consumers are so much more aware now of what producers how they, what their philosophical is, how they approach their work, how they interact with the global community in terms of carbon footprint and, you know, you know using good practices that I think that, that in the luxury space is going to become vital to be not just a great producer of wine and to make distinctive, interesting wines, but to also participate at a much higher level, right, of responsibility, which is that wine isn't a wine isn't product, right? It's not it's not going to cure cancer. A wine is their enjoyment and part of being a human being, right? And so we play a vital role culturally, but we have a great responsibility, responsible in our pursuits because what we make is is most likely a tax on the environment, not, yeah. uh, not a, a giving back to the environment. Sure, sure, sure. Especially, you know, with regards to, to, you know, logistics and shipping of wine, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a big issue that a lot of people think about. And I think that having, you know, what, what you're doing with this project, basically offering allocations to token holders and knowing where the wine is going to go, offering pickup parties, like you're, you're already combating some of the some of the issues. And I'm, I know I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. Jesse, can you talk a little bit about how maybe lessons from the wine industry are informing some of the things that you're doing with other agricultural projects on the, on the, on the, or other agricultural products on the, the White Buffalo Land Trust? Well, yeah. And, you know, I, I, I take issue with something that Sasha just said. I think wine is a necessity. I don't think it is a luxury, even if there's a luxury process. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, I'm one of those people. It's like wine is for the people. You know, it, it's one of those things. I talk to people who are religious, too. It's like wine is a necessity. <laughs> I, I take issue with the not curing cancer. I Every other month, I hear an article from the New York Times about the antioxidants. So I'm going to I only save the good ones. Stick it to it. Stick it to it. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that one of the things that really has inspired my my work in agriculture is one of kind of uniqueness and, and providence of place. You know, I had the um, opportunity just, you know, as a, as a young student 
studying abroad in, in Europe to, you know, travel with my, my fiance at the time. And one of the things that we marveled at was the uniqueness of every little small town, whether you're in France or Spain, in Germany, there was a special, you know, sausage or a special bread or a special cheese that was like so representational of that small little hamlet, that small little town, that small little village. And we were both born and raised here in Santa Barbara. We both grew up with families that love food and, and, you know, came from either agriculture or ecological kind of education. And we kind of were recognizing that there wasn't a lot of that in the California dynamic. You could drive from San Diego and, you know, different places, but same organic market, same food, you know, wide distribution. And we really wanted to invest in our community in a place that was really had this pride of place, you know, that there was places that you could go that really were unique experiences and unique expressions and kind of that blend of the uniqueness of place and people and time in real life and the uniqueness of NFTs and Providence and distributed, you know, ledger technology just struck us as this really interesting kind of interaction that was all about uniqueness and transparency um, and, and Providence. And so, you know, for, for us, when we look at the landscape, you know, we ask it, what is it needing? What is it um, striving to be? And not so much focusing on, what elements are going to be produced, but how it's going to function, you know, at a higher potential. And through that process, you discover that there are um, products, you know, we bring in the solar energy, we, we have all these little solar panels that are photosynthesizing, and whether those are valued through grapes or through meat or through botanicals or through mushrooms, like all of these things are, are, are processes of nutrient cycling and energy cycling. And, and so, you know, the wine industry, and I always talk about this quite a lot with friends, like, why is it that wine and a bottle of wine can garner so much value in the marketplace? You know, what's so unique about wine that people pay hundreds of thousands of dollars for a specific vintage from this time where it, we really respect it? Like, why is that not in any other sector of the food and, and beverage industry? And so, you know, not trying to make everything extravagantly expensive, but trying to bring a semblance of uniqueness and expression of time, people, place, two different aspects of our food and beverage culture is something that we take very seriously. And we surround ourselves with people that appreciate that process, appreciate that value adding process and appreciate the community that's built around a dinner table with a bottle of wine. And that's where I say that I think that, you know, wine has this uniqueness that is necessary for culture creation. You know, that we do, you know, celebrate the good times and the bad with wine. And one of my favorite experiences was, was traveling in, in, um, in, in, in Europe and, and being able to visit people who talked about hiding in bunkers during World War II and splitting bottles of champagne one of, at a time. And they would pop a bottle and they were hearing bombs drop. And like those moments of like absolute tension and hardship are still you know, imbued with this love of wine and the culture of wine and the vintages of wine. So, yeah, I just I love the duality that that wine brings in the human experience. That's very cool. So so let's change gears a little bit and talk about, you know, the, the, the obviously the project is amazing. The the White Buffalo Land Trust, I think, is, you know, what you're doing there. I, I've been really impressed with it from the beginning. I, I have to say it's I, I've I've been I've uh, worked on or, or been privy to a ton of different regenerative and, and sustainable projects. This is the most well thought out, the most sort of 
it, it just feels like it's the most holistic project that I've seen. And it's really impressive. So talk to me a little bit about why you've decided to, to, to create an NFT project inside of it. What, what, why you think that fits? And then we can talk a little bit more about what the, what the, what the specific drop is like. Yeah, of course. So, I mean, I think that the core aspect that we identified was, you know, transition to a more holistic, a more regenerative form of agriculture. It does take resource. It takes attention. It takes a lot of energy because we have witnessed a wholesale decline of our ecological function in part, in part to historic agricultural practices. And so that ultimately is a lack of valuing of kind of the, the co-benefits of agriculture or the externalities of agriculture. People have been able to degrade without being penalized. And, you know, that's what it is, but I think we need to find a new mechanism to value those who are tending to landscapes that are trying to benefit and, and regenerate them. And so yeah. sometimes that's difficult to embed within the price of an agricultural product. There's an expectation for a pound of beef or a bottle of wine, you know, or, you know, a gallon of milk. And, and so to kind of sometimes disassociate the valuing of the ecological systems from the valuing of the product and this token that represents, you know, kind of a piece of the thousand acres is a way for people to value the other aspects of our work, the community building, the investment of riparian restoration, the education of other land stewards looking to make this transition, like all of that, you know, we want to do, we feel is necessary in our theory of change, but we can't just charge more for our grass-fed beef or our bottle of, you know, olive oil or, you know, the, the, the canned, you know, chanterelle mushrooms, like, we want to bring those to a community that appreciates them, but the minting of the NFT and the holders of those NFTs and the of those NFTs will ultimately support the perpetual work that we do through the nonprofit. That's really great. So basically you're building a community of people that are like-minded, that are that are providing resources and that are, you know, maybe help helping you shepherd this this land trust, but also you know, supporters, you're, you're, I assume you're hoping supporters in a bunch of different ways. Of course, of course. And, you know, people that really care not only about the wine, but about all the other aspects of the organization and want to kind of lean in and listen to what that kind of evolutionary process of, of land regeneration looks like. And I'll just mention, you know, the data that we collected, we took a snapshot in time, you know, that data is being collected every single day as there's ebbs and flows of soil moisture and temperature and carbon stocks and all those kind of things. And so, you know, it's, it's a, it's a really interesting application of data that's being collected for agronomic purposes to do kind of a more visual representation of, of a landscape. So I think that people are going to be excited some of the, the, the future ways that we want to bring that data and how it's evolving over time back into the community. Well, I know I'm super excited and I think I'm, if I if I understood correctly, I think I'm number five on the wait list for right now. So when when I when 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 the mint happens and I get a chance to to buy my token, what's that going to mean? What do I what do I get as a as a token holder? What's my other than the than than you know the obvious satisfaction of of helping out, being one of the the sponsors of the of the White Buffalo Land Trust, knowing that that the funds are going to 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 help promote that organization like what else what else does it mean what does it mean to be part of this yep. community yeah so you know the the vip minting you know we're we're starting off with a half eth you know it will be minting in the next month or so the first 500 tokens purchased will come 
with the first year's allocation of, of the Pinot Noir with, with it. So, you know, getting in the first 500, it would be to your benefit. But then we also have some amazing core partners, you know, in, including, you know, Sandy Wine. So the first 100 will be entered to win a VIP seller tour with, with Sandy just down the road. And the first 200 will be entered to win one of our other core partners, 25, 2,500 Regen tokens. So the Regen network is a, is a marketplace for ecological tokens. And so you can, you can be entered to win 2,500 of those tokens that support projects all over the world who are doing land regeneration. And then, uh, David, you can share more about the first 300 being entered to, to win uh, a Genesis level membership over at Club yeah. Event. And you can explain a little bit more about kind of what that. So there's different perks at different levels, uh, getting people in the door, you know, where we have a community manager to help people um, in the process who might be unfamiliar with wallet, you know, creation and setup and, and ETH purchase and all that kind of stuff. Um, I believe that if you're going to be on the DVN uh, roadmap series, you're going to at least have a baseline understanding of what that entails. But we're finding our communities across wine lovers, you know, cryptocurrency and Web3 lovers and regenerative ag lovers. So we're trying to make sure that that whole community is coming together and, and, and the, the process is streamlined for everyone. So, yeah. Sure. And because it's an NFT, I it's something that if I wanted to at some point later, I can gift to someone, I can sell if I want to. And the the all of those benefits, for example, the the you know, the, the access to the allocation of wine would go to whoever the whoever the holder is whenever the wine is released. Is that right? That's exactly it. And we're, we're hoping that people cool snap, up a, snap up a couple and, you know, keep one for longevity and, and maybe one for transference and, and gifting or uh, an investment. Is, is there a limit? So people are allowed to, can they buy more than two or do you, is there a limit for each individual? Right now we have not set any limit. Okay. Good to know. And uh, great. And so correct me if I'm wrong, but the first, you say the first hundred or the first 200 will get the ability to buy six bottles of the, of last year's vintage of the, of the Pinot Noir. The first 500 will all get the, this year, the the first 500 will get this first, this year's, the the first year of this program's allocation as part of their um, token purchase. And that's six bottles. Is that right? So the allocation is going to be year to year dependent. So it's oh, going right. to be dependent on harvest. So yeah, the it's every year's allocation that this uh, community have access to will be dependent on this total cases uh, that come out. Makes so perfect sense. You, no, you, no, no, no. Really, really have a good better idea. visibility on what's in barrel right now. So <laughs> sure, sure, sure. That's great. So that's exciting. I know that there are some other things that that you've talked about access to some of the other agricultural products, which are you know for me. I so I live in Barcelona, so access to the wine is super exciting to me. But there there are other agricultural products that that members are going to have access to as well. Can you talk a little bit about that? Some of the other bounty from the from the trust. Yeah, so I mean, I'll, I'll tease it a little bit because the kind of details to to come. But as you, as you look at the different ecological sites, we're really excited about bringing forward different products that represent the different ecological sites. And so I will say that this year was a fantastic year for chanter, chanterelle mushrooms. So we have an exciting pickled and preserved wild harvested chanterelle mushrooms in olive oil and vinegar that's part of our, our food brand, different spices and herbs that we'll be bringing forward. But we also have grass-fed, grass-finished beef coming off the land. We have holistically managed boar goats in our sage and our grasslands. 
Uh, we have some amazing uh, native sages that we're distilling for hydrosols and essential oils. So we're in the process of a, a beautiful suite of products that will be uh, released in partnership with this community. That's amazing. Sashi, can you tell us a, a, a little bit more? Just I, I know we talked about it a little earlier, but tell us a little bit more about the wine and the winemaking. Are you, yeah, talk to us about, about the winemaking process, your vision for, for at least the next, the next few vintages. Yeah, so the wine is made, you know, in, in the spirit of the White Buffalo Land Trust. So it's very kind of low intervention, you know, zero amount of sulfur. It's bottled quite early. The wine is made to be enjoyed for an early time frame. It really promotes the freshness of the fruit. That being said, if the wine is cellared properly, it would easily go 10 years in the cellar. The first vintage was a remarkable success. And I say remarkable, but, you know, none of us had a lot of experience with the, with the fruit. So it usually takes a long time to get to know, make the wines in the best way possible from that vineyard. So uh, we're still on the learning curve. And I think that that's another interesting thing to offer to members is just a little insight into that process of getting to know a vineyard, how decisions that we're making in terms of adapting the viticulture, adapting the infrastructure, adapting the winemaking, we try and create the best expression possible. Can you, have you had a chance to, to pair the wines with any of the other bounty from the, from the property? I know that one of the things that we did, I'll tell you a little story. A couple of years ago, we did a this really great harvest experience at a vineyard in the Priorat where not only did we taste the wine, we tasted the wine from the from the from, from you know older vintages, but every single thing we ate over a three-day harvest weekend was either foraged or you know literally from that property. And it was a it was a really amazing experience, really fun. We brought some chefs down from Denmark to to do the whole thing. Have you have you had a chance to 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 pair the wines with with any of the other great? Sounds like amazing bounty from the from the property. Yes, I mean we, we've we've definitely definitely enjoyed Chantrelles because as as he said, it was an incredible year for that. I you know I think that that the wipe of Elantras is also can be a bit of a beacon for people who are curious about Santa Barbara County because here in 1996 and I moved here from New York City and I I, I was by the resources here if you are in any way interested in food and wine. It's just extraordinary. The Santa Barbara Farmer's Market is maybe one of the best farmer's markets I've ever seen. And the fishery that is in the channel is one of the most amazing fisheries in the United States. And now we have a lot of, we have a lot of people who are beautiful animal products from pork to squab to beef, chicken. And so lamb, I hope that, you know, maybe this whole project will also encourage people to visit and really understand uh, what an extraordinary San Barbara County is now with also the wine um, industry really blossoming and coming into maturity. The combination is, it's, it's really, really special. So, well, I'll be there. I'll be there in October. So very, let's, was, let's, let's put together a tasting and a dinner and like, let's put something together. Absolutely, It'd be very easy 
I mean, it would it, you not just three days, Dave? You could go an entire year of just eating food from Santa Barbara County and drinking the local wines. I mean, it is beyond what I think most people understand in terms of the res culinary resources. That's great. Yeah. Well, everybody's mouth is watering. So this is the exact right time, Jesse, for you to tell people how to do it. So how can people be part of this? How can they sign up, sign up to the list? How can they mint? Like, what's the process? Yeah, well, thank you so much. Once again, you know, the Holoma Canyon Ranch project is just uh, in its infancy and kind of getting off to a great start already. So the jcrclub.com is the best way to begin your journey. Please just go to the website, top of the page, join the VIP list, and, and you should be shepherded along in this, in this process. We're excited to be able to engage with people over the life cycle of this project and as it evolves. There's many more opportunities from our benefits and events to special ranch tours, as well as ongoing research and, and field work that this community will be invited to, to engage in. So if there's any question as to steps to take or, or questions in, within the process, our team is, is here to support. That's great. So we're going to post that link in the show notes. I think we have from your team, like a set of instructions, like step one, step two, step three. So I'll, uh, I'll make sure that those go in as well. And, and really like anyone who's listening, if you're, if you're interested at all in regenerative agriculture, if you're interested at all in figuring out a way to, to snag some, some of some wine from Sashi's new, newest project, then this is the, this is a great way to do it. I know that, that I'm, I'm already on the list and, and planning to be part of it. And I, I just couldn't say enough good things about this. I've been following this project for a year. I've been bugging these guys about when they're going to, when they're going to launch. I'm, I couldn't be more excited that you're finally doing it. So anything else you want to, you want to leave with? I know we're, we're getting close on time. Sashi, anything else you want to say before we go? I mean, I just thank you so much for giving an opportunity and a platform for, you know, spreading the word. You know, this is the, the opposite of the metaverse. This is actually like the, the here verse, like, like you can actually participate in something that is real and you can like see it and touch it and feel it and smell it and taste it. And I think that that's like so necessary now because I think people need to be more in tune and attached to the planet, not, not attached to it. A hundred percent, hundred percent agree. Jesse, any, any, any last words? My closing thoughts would be very, very similar to Sashi's. I, I think that this is something that we're so excited to be able to bring into a space that really bridges that metaverse and, and the real verse and, and has one kind of feed the other because ultimately, you know, we are all native to this planet Earth and, and we really want to get people interested in its health for the longevity of humanity. So wine isn't going to save the world, but it's a fun place to start. Well, congratulations on this project. I think what you've done is great. I'm uh, super excited about it. Count on us to help you promote it in in any way that we can. And as as Jesse was saying, like I think 
someone from the the first 300 uh, token holders for the JCR club is going to win a, a club Divin Gen Genesis membership. So we're, we're really excited about like getting together and merging our communities a little bit. I know that there's a lot of overlap between, you know, the people that are, are members of club Divin and people that are going to be interested in what you do. So super excited. Thank you guys so much for, for taking the time today and, and talking about what I know not only is going to be an amazingly successful project, but hopefully will be a, a model for many, many projects to come. So congratulations on, on, on what you've built and what you're building and all, all of our, all of our best wishes for, for a successful launch. And, and I'm looking forward to seeing you in person in, in October. Save some chanterelles. 100%. <laughs>